0: Go with me to a couple of places. Let's look in First Thessalonians chapter 4. And uh, if you want to, you can also find Exodus chapter 14. I want to begin reading tonight in verse 9. It says this, But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. You yourselves, he said, are taught by God to love one another. I like that phrase, taught by God. That's really what uh, the Lord was endeavoring, that that God was endeavoring to get across to people in this thing he called a new covenant. He said, he prophesied it in the old one and said, it's coming. You can read it, I think it's in Jeremiah, and you can read it in the book of Hebrews. He said, it's coming. And I'm going to write my laws on your heart. And he said, you won't have need of a teacher telling you what you're supposed to do. Now, that doesn't say we don't need teachers, but he's saying what you're going to have is the teacher. See, tonight, if you and I are really living and operating in this new covenant reality and revelation, then you understand And hopefully I understand it's not me standing here teaching you tonight. You don't want to hear what I have to say. And I don't want to say something that I just thought up. You and I both are dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Watch this within each other. You're you're here to hear from him tonight. Guess what? So am I. And it's the Holy Spirit in each other that is teaching each other. Husbands and wives, you've experienced this, I, I would dare say. I know Sarah and I have on a number of different occasions. There are, there are the everyday conversations that husbands and wives have with each other, but then there are those conversations when you know Jesus is speaking to each other, through each other. I can, t- I can think of a few times in our marriage that there seems to be something about just laying there at night with no lights on and it's just quiet which has everything to do with what I'm going to share with you tonight. But just laying there and there are times when I've realized I'm here. I'm listening to her. She's speaking, but I am hearing the voice of God. Anybody understand what I'm saying? And the father said, you we're coming to a time that I'm going to be the one teaching you. I'm going to write my laws upon your heart and it's going to be in you. And he says here, you don't need somebody to write to you again about the love of God. Why? Cause you got God himself teaching you. Man, when God is your teacher, hopefully you get it. Hopefully we're not so hard headed that we raise our hands and just say, well, God, I just don't really understand that. I remember being in school thinking, I don't get it. It must be the teacher's fault. But when God's your teacher, it's not the teacher's fault. He said, you don't need anybody to write to you again about brotherly love. Why? Because God's teaching you. Somebody help me out. How has God taught them and us brotherly love? How has God taught us love? By example. God teaches by example. And he has taught us how to love one another through the way he has loved us, which which stands to reason this, if you don't know how he's loved you, you sure don't know how to love somebody else. But notice what he says to him. You're taught by God to love one another and indeed you do so toward all the brethren who are in Macedonia, but we urge you brethren that you increase more and more. Somebody say increase Increase. more and more. Now, if you were to make a list of things that you felt like were important to God, I hope that your list would start with number one, you knowing how much He loves you. If you were to try to to prioritize and try to list, In in order of importance, the things that that mean something to God in your understanding of who he is, your understanding of his word, your understanding of how to apply his word and walk in his word, number one has to be God is love. It has to be. Because if you try to understand him from some other starting place, you're going to be off real soon. And so many people have. So many people have tried to understand God through a set of circumstances, or well, this happened, where was God? Why did God do this? You wouldn't even be asking that question so much of the time if you just knew God is love. Can you see how many questions that would answer? How many ridiculous options it would just take away when trying to figure out what happened? Well, if you know, if if you knew, if you looked into a set of circumstances and there was stealing, killing or destroying, if you knew God is love, you'd know right away, he didn't do it That's right, right away. So when you're t- endeavoring to understand God, yeah, I said it, understand God, you gotta start with God is love. But you also gotta know the importance of you and I walking in love with each other. But there again, you can't understand that if and until you understand how much he loves you. See, our love for each other is energized by his love for us. Let me put it simply. I can't give you something I don't have. I can't give you something I don't have. What I want to draw your attention to here is, is the the basic necessities and fundamentals that when you're, when you're looking at a relationship with God and what he's encouraging these people in, it's, it's pretty clear, right? God's teaching you by example to love each other now increase in it. But I want you to notice now in verse 11 that first of all, he didn't even end the sentence. Look at what we just roll right into here. These things that are so clearly important to walking with God and knowing Him and Him knowing you, listen to this verse 11, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, somebody say amen, Amen. and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. I wanna draw your attention tonight to this phrase right here, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life. Now remember, where is this instruction coming? Right after God loves you, you love each other, grow in that love. And then he adds to it that you would aspire to lead a quiet life. The reason I'm saying so much about knowing the love of God is because we would all agree how important that is. And I'm wanting to I'm wanting you to take this instruction, the the aspiration to lead a quiet life. I want you to put that up in the importance that it belongs in. Listen to it out of a couple other translations. Listen to this from the New Living. Make it your goal to live a quiet life. you have any goal oriented people in here tonight? You're a goal driven person. You get a goal out there in front of you. And I think to, to some degree, we all are, or we all should be to some degree, but some people are, they're goal driven, man. I got that goal written down and here's where we're headed and here's how we're getting there. And it's good. It's a good thing to have those goals. It's a better thing to have your goals set for you by the word, by the spirit of God in you. And if you were to look at most people's goals, I think the goals would most often include a certain level of success, a certain level of ability or resource um, and any number of different things. Tonight, I want you to let the word of God put this goal in the place that it belongs in importance in your life. When you are making your goals, writing the vision of your life, does it include leading a quiet life? Because he said, make it your goal. Listen to it out of the Amplified. Make it your ambition and definitely endeavor to live quietly and peacefully. I want to talk to you tonight about living the peace and quiet life. Living a life of peace and quiet. Now, my... My heart in this tonight is not that we would just be able to talk about some of these things and look at scripture because I got a lot of scripture here. But my goal in this is that the peace of God, the quietness, the quiet spirit of God manifested in his peace. Tonight, I want it to not just be a topic of a message. I want it to become the atmosphere in the room. Which is really what we should be after every time we get around the word of God. That whatever's being said, you know, if it's true, then it's got one hand on love. That it become the atmosphere in the room. I experienced that one time listening to my dad minister on the love of God. He was ministering in this room to a group of ministers. And he talked for... I don't know, 30, 40, 45 minutes about the love of God. And I remember thinking at one point in the message, this is no longer just his topic. This has become the atmosphere in the room. And that has stuck with me. And tonight I want to talk about the peace of God, living a life of peace and quiet. But I... I desire for it to become the atmosphere in the room. And at the risk of using an overused expression, I want it to become the air that you and I are breathing tonight. The love of God is the atmosphere of heaven. The peace of God is the atmosphere of heaven. It is quite literally the air that you breathe there. I have it in my heart that you and I would experience that tonight. I have it in my heart that you and I would experience the power that's in quietness. The power that's in the peace of God. You can hold your place here if you want. I also want you to look at Exodus chapter 14. While you're turning there, let me read to you the definition of this word quiet. And uh, found this in the Concordance. Listen to what it says. Quiet means, in, in that scripture, live a quiet life. When it says quiet, this is what he's saying refrain from labor, meddlesomeness, or speech to cease hold peace, be quiet, and rest. To refrain from labor, meddlesomeness, or speech, to cease, hold peace, be quiet, and rest. Look at Exodus chapter 14. This is the account of the children of Israel, finally being let go by Pharaoh and they have hightailed it out of Egypt. And, uh, but of course, you know, Pharaoh changed his mind and started running after him. It says in verse 10, Exodus chapter 14, verse 10, when Pharaoh drew near the children of Israel, lifted their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Kind of a rhetorical question there. Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? Listen to what they said. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And I want you to listen to Moses' response. Verse 13, Moses said to the people, "Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never you shall see again no more." forever. Verse 14, the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. This is really exciting to me and I I wish you could have been in my brain and heart today, but that really might've been personal space invasion there. So (laughs) some months ago, um, the Lord really had me ministering and looking and evaluating even our own lives in ministry. When it came to pressure, and some of you may have been here about a month ago when we had the opportunity to minister on a Sunday and we dealt with that pressure. Now, you, th- you talk about pressure. What is pressure? I mean, that's, we looked at that scripture in 2 Corinthians about being closed in on every side. And you felt that to a degree. I felt that to a degree. To a degree. But here are these people. You talk about being closed in on every side. In front of them, the Red Sea. Behind them, people that want to kill them in a hurry. That's pressure. That's pressure. And I started looking at that and looking at this example, and I saw where Moses' instruction to them was very simple. He said, first of all, he said, well, first of all, he said, don't be afraid. You got to address that like now. No more fear. No more fear. Fear is present. And faith is absent for the same reason. No revelation of love. On the other hand, faith is present and fear is absent for the same reason. You got a revelation of how much you are loved. Deal with the fear. Deal with it. How do I deal with it? You sit down and you get out every scripture you can find on how much he loves you. That's dealing with it and be watchful over how you use that expression, I'm dealing with this. Most people, when they say I'm dealing with some fear, they really mean I'm yielding to some fear. If you were dealing with fear, you would be coming against it with a revelation of how much he loves you. Perfect love does what to fear? Casts it out, drives it out. It displaces it. He said, do not be afraid. And then he said this, be still, Be still. Listen to what the Amplified translation of this says. Moses told the people, fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians you have seen today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you will hold your peace and remain at rest. Living the life of peace and quiet. I believe we can meditate on three things tonight that would be a help to us. Are you ready? How are we going to live a life of peace and quiet? How are we going to prioritize a quiet life? Be still, hold your peace, remain at rest. Those were the instructions that Moses gave to these panicking people. Be still, hold your peace remain at rest. Can you try that? Be still, still. hold your peace, peace. remain remain at rest. This is, this is in, in my opinion and in the way I see it, the response to pressure. Be still, hold your peace and remain at rest. And I think we could probably spend a whole service on each one of these things, but I want to just take some time and talk tonight about what it is to be still, what it is to hold our peace and what it means to remain at rest. Go with me to Psalm chapter 46. The message translation of First Thessalonians 411 just simply says, stay calm. Other translations say, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. The message just says, just stay calm. Stay calm. Listen to this out of Psalm 46. You're familiar with uh, verse 10. I know. It said, says this in verse 10, be still and know that I am God. It's okay with you if I just take my time tonight and just rest in this. I want you to take that instruction there, because this is God speaking. Be still and know that I am God. Now, take that and put it back in the context of this entire psalm and back up to the beginning. Listen to him. Listen to this God is our refuge and strength, a very present help when? When? In trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed. And the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and trouble, though the mountains shake with its swelling. Verse four, there is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. I wrote in my Bible tonight, this afternoon in studying this, out next to that, she shall not be moved. That's what it means to be still. That's what it means to be still, to not be moved. If you're moving, you're not still, but if you're still, you're not moving. Is this too deep for anybody tonight? Is it too simple for anybody tonight? We will not be moved. You remember what Paul said, talking about, the chains that he knew by the spirit of God, the chains that awaited him everywhere he went. He knew the persecution that was waiting on him. He knew the trials. He knew the tears. He knew all this. And after saying all of that, he said this in the book of Acts, he said, none of these things help me. Move me. What is he? Still. I'm still. It says, she shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. Verse six, the nation's rage, the kingdoms were moved. When everybody else around you is being moved, what are you? Being still. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. I like that. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in fire. I'm wanting you to get the picture of what's going on for the first 9 verses of this psalm. You've got nations raging against nations. You've got the whole earth being shaken, the whole earth being moved. You've got mountains just being carried in to the midst of the sea that's turmoil that's trouble and that's fear in the heart of anybody that would let it be but but put this verse 10 in the context of all of that you be still when the nations are raging what do you do be still When the earth is being moved, what do you be? Still. What do you be? You like that? (laughs) Be still. When the mountains are being carried into the midst of the sea, what are you? Being still. What are you supposed to do? Be still. Be still. And the instruction, the word of the Lord, this is God speaking. And he says, be still and know that I'm God. Think about that for a moment. You be still and in that stillness, get a revelation of who I am. Why would that be important? Because if you're not still, by all indicators, we looking into you, we might deduct that you think you're God. getting some funny looks. When you're the one trying to put an end to the war, when you're the one in your effort, in your energy, in your best try, trying to put a stop to the raging that's going on around you or in you, you're trying to be the fix. How's that working out? But if you get still, if you get still, because when you're still, he goes to work. Let me just jump way out ahead of myself tonight. When you rest, grace works. But listen, when you work, grace has to rest. You want grace resting or working in your life? You want grace working. To know that he is God is going to require stillness in our lives. You can see now why it would be so important that we would make it our ambition to lead a quiet life because remember that word quiet? Remember what it, the definition definition of it, what it say? To cease, to cease from labor. Thank you, Lord. Be still and know that I am God. I might say it like this Be still and watch me be God. Because He's the one that makes the wars to cease. He's the one that breaks the bow in two. If the bow's broken, they can't fire at you. And He's the one that does that. I got a three year old right now. Sarah and I are watching this little guy just grow up so fast. And fast is a good way to describe him. Constant. Yes. Constant. Just constantly moving from one place to another, one room to another. And this boy doesn't walk for nothing, man. I mean, he's just running. He is all boy all the time, just moving, 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 moving. And you know, to, just to try to get him to sit down and, and focus in on something. You ever had a toddler? Oh yeah. You ever been around one for about 30 seconds? You know exactly what I'm talking about just trying to get him to just lock in here just for a moment with me. And I want that. I just want him to sit still and let me just love on him for a minute. But it's just like, "Daddy, I got to go do this." And, "Daddy, look what I found." And, "Daddy, daddy, daddy, come do this and come watch this." And oh, he's just constantly moving. And that's great. That's funny. That's fun, right? I mean, he's a toddler. He's going to do that. But that same attribute in somebody who is of an age that should be able To sit still for a minute, it's not so cute anymore. It's not so cute anymore. If we don't learn how to, like Paul said, put away childish things, then we'll be old children. And the inability to sit still is a sign of immaturity. And let me tell you, I'm preaching to myself right now. I know some of my greatest struggle, if you will, even in something as basic as preparing a message, because let's face it, that's what I do. Just going in and sitting down. I remember uh, the, the house we just moved out of our old home, just moved into a new place. But in our old place, the room that I would study in had these two, these big windows in it. And I would sit down to study and I'd get to looking outside and I would think, I want to go for a walk, right? I just, let me just get out there. And I'd get out there and go run or go walk or something. You get back in you think, mm, you know what, I'm thirsty. And you, know, you just find all these other little things to go and do. And it sounds silly, but at some point in our lives, we have got to learn to be still. You're going to have to get comfortable being still. And that can mean physically, but it definitely means inwardly. It can mean you need to develop the ability to to uh, sit still outwardly. But I'm telling you tonight, you need your life is depending upon the ability to sit still inwardly. And be able to say like Paul, none of these things move me. Because it's in that stillness, you'll get a revelation of who God is and what he wants to do on your behalf. When you're working, you're trying to be God. But when you're still, you have said only you can be God. Are you with me tonight? Be still. Be still. Thank you, Lord. Listen to this out of Isaiah chapter 64. I think I've quoted this to you, both of the last times I've ministered in here, but it's been so big to me. You remember when Paul said in, I believe it was second Corinthians. He said, eye has not seen and ear has not heard the, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. He was quoting this scripture out of the book of Isaiah. Listen to what, what it said originally. Isaiah 64 four four, since the world began, no ear has heard. No eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. No eye has seen a God like ours who works for those who will wait for him. You're going to have to find the joy in waiting. We talked about patience on Sunday. Waiting is not passiveness. Wait, you can wait by faith. And you're going to have to find the joy in that. Because we have a God that if you will get still enough, he'll go to work for you. Man, religion doesn't like that. God doesn't work for man. Man serves and works for God. You better read your Bible. Because Any other religion demands that you go to work for your God. But our God says, if you will sit still and just acknowledge me in all your ways, acknowledge me and I'll direct your path. If you would sit still long enough, I'd go to work for you. He works for those who wait for him. I'm not telling you you're his boss, but I am telling you what he has said in in his word to you, that his grace will go to work on your behalf. Great when when you will sit still and wait on him. The psalmist said in Psalm 27, verse 14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say on the Lord in this stillness tonight, your heart is being strengthened. That's what's taking place as you wait in the presence of God. Your heart's being strengthened. You need a strong heart to live in the day and age that you and I live in. You need a strong heart. How are you going to? grow. How's a strong heart going to develop in you? By waiting on the Lord with the ability to be still. Somebody say, be still, still. hold your peace, peace. Remain remain at rest. Listen to me, make it your goal to lead a quiet life. Why hadn't that been on our list of goals and our list of things we want to accomplish in this lifetime. I'm telling you, make it your ambition. No, I'm not telling you. He's telling you, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Can you feel how nearly awkward it gets? just when i let a few extra seconds go by before saying something else it's called an awkward silence why the nature of man wants to fill up every waking moment with something and i know what it is but in just in the last few years i've i've come to realize that I think I've changed. I hope I've changed. When I was a little younger teenager, man, I... I was into the noise. I really liked the noise. I liked it loud. That's when I learned to play guitar. And even though I couldn't play, you know, still turn it up. Why not? Right? Well, I can think of a lot of reasons why not, but you don't know them then. I was into the noise. I just thought that just loud and busy. That was so cool. We used to, as teenagers, talk about how cool, you know, New York City, just that environment. And I I remember even going on a trip with just me and my dad to New York City. Three days, just enjoyed the city. And I I still think that's really cool. And I I remember the first time I went to the city, I thought, man, there's a taxi honking at somebody every moment. If you've been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's just like a constant barrage of meh, 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 meh. And it's coming from this street or that street or every street. And it's just noise, noise, noise. And you used to think, how cool would it be just to go be in the city? Can I tell you where I want to go right now? I'd love to be on a beach. And the only guy I want to see is the one bringing me my food. (laughs) You know what I mean? Just me and my wife and the quiet. There's just been something changed in me over the last few years. I love the quiet. I love the quiet. Maybe, maybe, maybe that change started three years ago <laughs> and you, you don't see how some, how valuable something is until you're without it. Yeah. <laughs> but we do, we talk often now. We actually just had a, a vacation last month We've gone for a couple of weeks and, and uh, we spent some time on the beach and it was great. But even there, I thought, you know what? There's just too many people here. <laughs> and I will spend the first part of the day walking down the beach till I just don't see anybody anymore. By then, I've worn my pregnant wife out, you know, so we can't do that every time. But I'm just I'm dreaming of that place. Lord Jesus, send me to that place where there's nobody. It's quiet. I love the quiet. And I've started to see in the last, I don't know, a year or two. Bear with me here. How extremely spiritual that is. Do you know your vacation is spiritual? That's why Sarah and I don't just pick places we want to go. We listen. Lord, where would you have us take our rest? Where would you have us take our rest? And we listen and we find out where he wants us to go. And more than once, more than twice, when we do that, he pays for it. Awesome. Well, I thought you'd be more excited about yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, I'm more excited about yeah. it. He's done it over and over. Find out where he wants you to go and then trust him to get you there. Amen. Yeah. Right? Yes. Because it's in that quiet, and hey, you can hear, you can hear. That's why it's so important that you and I lead a quiet life because we have to always be hearing. We must always be hearing. The first instruction he gave to them: be still. Second one, hold your peace, hold your peace. They shouted at Moses when they saw the Egyptians coming. They said, is this why you brought us out here? Because we didn't already have graves in Egypt. Listen to what they said. It would be better to live as slaves than to die in the wilderness. How's that better? That's just being afraid of death. But really, how is that better? It's not. And Moses had to turn to them and say, do not be afraid, be still, hold your peace. Hold your peace. We're at at least on some level familiar with that expression, right? Hold your peace. Somebody tell me what's that mean? Be Be quiet. Be quiet. It means stop talking. Stop talking. Thank you, Lord. I just, I have to hear from the Lord exactly how to do this. So much of the noise in our life is us talking. So much of the needless extra noise is you talking. Is me talking. And the instruction he's given us here in time of trouble, in time of pressure, is not say the first thing you think. Right. (laughs) The instruction here is hold your peace. Hold your peace. Stop talking. Somebody say, stop talking. Stop talking. James 1.19 says uh, in the Amplified, understand this, my beloved brethren, let every man be quick to hear and slow to speak. I like this out of Ecclesiastes chapter five, verse two and three, do not be rash with your mouth And let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven and you on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Let your words be few. For a dream comes through much activity and a fool's voice is known by his many words. Hold your peace. Be quiet. Stop talking. You remember when Jesus was in the boat with the disciples and he said, Let's go to the other side. And they said, All right. And he went downstairs and what? He went to sleep. But a big storm came and started to beat against the boat. And the winds blew and the waves beat against the boat. And they ran down and they said, Teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? And Jesus stood up and what did he say? He said three words. What were they? Somebody help me. Peace and what else? Be still, be still. still. And I had a, a, a new look on that tonight. So often I've pictured myself the one in the boat. But tonight and this afternoon in studying this, I saw myself as the one raging. Just that constant flurry of activity. Just that constant motion, constant going, the, the, the pressure and the need to fill every moment with some kind of noise. And you know what I hear Jesus saying to me and to you tonight? Peace. Be still. Now, what's interesting is when he said, peace, you find this in other translations. You know what he said? Hush. Silence. What's that? Be quiet. quiet. Okay, so, so far tonight, you ready? What's our big instruction from the Lord? Be quiet. Be still. still. I told you I got a three year old at home. Maybe it's just, (laughs) I just been practicing these words. Maybe too much. Be still be quiet, be still, be quiet. Philippians chapter four, turn there with me. Can you take just a little bit more of this? I've already taken a long time, but I, I I want you to see some things. Philippians chapter four. Verse six, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God, the quietness of God, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So evidently, there's something coming against you, coming against me. Evidently, there's some sort of war or battle raging around us that you and I need a guard. Am I right? We need a guard. And we need that guard stationed over our heart and over our mind. And he said, don't be anxious. And I would... Put it back in the context of everything we're talking about tonight. It's raging around you. Don't fall into that natural inclination to fear. Deal with that. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything. Through prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. And what will happen? The peace of God, the quietness of God will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. What was Moses instruction to him? Hold your peace. peace. The peace will guard your heart. The Psalmist said in Psalm chapter 141 verse three, you remember this, set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Set a guard over my mouth. The peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. Let peace be the guard that's set over your mouth. In other words, think of it like this pressure's on, the battle's raging, you've fallen into various trials and circumstances. And when you just let fly that first panicked, anxious thought and those words are coming out of your mouth, you are letting go of your peace instead of holding it. You are literally saying to the guard, take the night off just when you need him most. That's why a fool is recognized through his many words. Hold your peace. How do you hold your peace? Well, listen. Verse eight, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good court, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, talk about these things. Is that what he said? No, no. He didn't say talk, what did he say? Think, think. Man, that hit me today. Think on these things. Now, of course we're supposed to be talking what's true, what's good, what's lovely, what's pure, but not before you think on them. Think on these things. That, That was big revelation to me today. I don't know if it is to you or not. Maybe it will be later. I hope it is. Think on these things. Have you ever noticed how hard it is to think and talk at the same time, especially about two different things? Some people can do it, but you can usually tell. (laughs) Think on these things. Here's another real big, deep revelation for you. We got to spend less time talking and more more time thinking on these things. We are literally, watch this, talking ourselves to death. When you refuse to hold your peace, but instead let it go, you are talking yourself straight into death. Hold your peace. Be still, hold your peace. You know, I said, it's a sign of immaturity to not be able to sit still. Guess what else is a sign of immaturity? Just saying whatever you think. Just saying whatever you think. Justice has announced to more strangers his need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> he don't know. He doesn't know. But uh, a grown-up. Wouldn't that be silly? for you or I to be in a restaurant and shout out, pardon me, but you need to go pee pee because that's what he does. Did I just lose some of you right there? I'm trying to get you back with me. Yeah, it's silly, right? In the eyes of God, it is just as silly to you, for you and I to start responding to these things in doubt and worry and fear and concern with anxiety. See, pressure's on and it's squeezing whatever's in you. That's why we got to be thinking, be still, hold your peace. Somebody say it, be still, be still. still. Hold, your peace. hold your peace. This is your response to pressure and this is how you set this goal to lead a quiet life. Those of you who know me, this is really not like me. I'm, I'm endeavoring to be in low and slow gear here. Thank you, Lord. The last thing Moses said to them and the thing the Lord is saying to us tonight, be still, hold your peace and remain at rest. Remain at rest. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. Let me read this to you from verse nine. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God, for he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his own works, just as God did from his. Can I remind you what the word quiet means? Refrain from labor, meddlesomeness or speech. To cease, hold your peace, be quiet and rest. Verse 11, Hebrews chapter 4. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Hold fast to the confession. Don't just say anything. Say only what you hear him say. That's how you hold your peace. This is how you remain at rest. The word confession means just say the same thing as. And if you are confessing, the word of God, then you are saying the same thing as the word of God. Verse 15, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come, how? Boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need, you have got to connect your position at the throne of God with remaining at rest. That's where your rest is, at that throne of grace. Paul begged Jesus three times, take this thorn out of my flesh. And Jesus answered him and said, look, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness. That's the grace of God at work in you. Somebody who is still has chosen, instead of putting their own strength on display, they've chosen to put the strength of God on display. Somebody who will hold their peace is somebody that will say, I don't have the words to say to this yet. I'm going to think on what's good. I'm going to think on what's lovely. And I will say only what I hear my father say. That is his strength being made perfect in you recognizing my flesh is weak. That's what Jesus said. He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Your flesh is weak. You've got no strength to put on display. You've got no words in and of yourself. The Holy Spirit doesn't even have words in and of himself. Jesus said he will not speak of his own. And if the Holy Ghost is not making up stuff, what are you doing making up stuff to say? Be still and be quiet okay, well now what do I do? The same thing. Remain at rest. There's a rest that belongs to the people of God. And he who has ceased from his own labors, you've entered into the rest of God. Now connect that with coming boldly to the throne of grace. Coming boldly to the throne of grace. Can you imagine being the first people the first Hebrew people that read this letter where he wrote to them and said, come boldly to the throne. Because these first Hebrew people that were hearing all this, they grew up with generation after generation after generation, after generation, after generation of, I ain't going in there. (laughs) Matter of fact, we got one guy and he goes in there for all y'all. And so what we're going to do is you go on in real we'll wait out here because we got sin and it's like extra holy in there. And so if sin goes in, sin doesn't make it out. So what we're going to do is we're going to send you in. But before we do, we're going to tie a rope around you and maybe some bells, because if those bells stop ringing and we can't get you out, I ain't going in after you. I will pull your dead self out of the holiest of holies, but I ain't going in there. Right? That's what they grew up with. That was, that was God to these people. You don't go in. And now he's writing a letter and saying, come on in. Don't just come in. Come boldly. Mm, Come boldly, he says. If I'm that first group of Hebrew people hearing him tell me, come boldly. You know what I say? You go boldly. Let me see how it works for you. Telling me, come boldly. But why would he tell you to come boldly? Well, back up. What did he say? We've got a high priest. We've got a high priest. Do you know who your high priest is? What is the high priest? Remember, it's the one that went in, right? Well, when he went in, his job was to do two things. It was to go in and represent you to God. Then it was to come out and represent God to you. That's the role of the high priest. And if you remember, the priest came out of the tribe of Levi, right? And when Levi was born to his father, Jacob, he, uh, I think was his mother Leah, is that right? You, you remember Jacob like wasn't in that into Leah, you, you know, she had a nice personality, but he just really wasn't that into her. Uh, but you know, they had some kids together and I think obviously she felt that he did not love her. And when she bore him another son, she said, I will name him Levi because surely now he will be attached to me. The name Levi means attached. And that's the tribe that the priest came out of. What's that mean? It means that priest was attached to both God and man. Man's representation to God, God's representation to man. Now, you and I have a high priest. And even though he didn't come out of the tribe of Levi, he still operates in that assignment to be just as attached to you as he is to God. Jesus is just as attached to you and to me as he is to the Father God. He functions in that role as the high priest. What am I saying? I'm saying you've got somebody in the presence of God right now speaking for you. Speaking for you. If you were here Sunday, we touched on this. When you pray in the name of Jesus, God quits looking at you and he looks at your high priest and your prayer is coming out of the mouth of Jesus. Can you sense the boldness rising up in you? Where did that boldness come from? The recognition I'm attached. I'm attached. Let me, let me read you one more scripture. Psalm 85. Somebody say I'm attached. I'm attached. Good. Don't cut the cord. Michael, where's that scripture you sent me this week? Is it Psalm 85? Check your text messages, man. Yes, Psalm 85. Verse eight, I will hear what God the Lord will speak. Ah, no, 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 back up, back up. Verse four, restore us, O God of our salvation. Cause your anger toward us to cease. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your mercy, Lord, and grant us your salvation. Here again, this psalmist is crying out for Jesus. He knows he's coming. He says, I will hear what God the Lord will speak. Oh, so, okay, so now this is prophecy. For he will speak. Anybody bring your Bible tonight? Yes. Peace. He will speak peace to his people and to his saints. But let them not turn back to folly. Verse nine. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him. That glory may dwell in our land. Watch this. Verse 10. Mercy and truth have met together. This is prophecy. Mercy and truth meeting together. Righteousness and peace, he says, have kissed. He's seeing Jesus. And for the first time, even though truth was truth and immovable and strong, now mercy's in it. Mercy and truth had never come together like they had until Jesus. And now righteousness and peace have kissed. Some words you think you don't even have to look up, right? Well, I looked up, kissed. You know what it means? Attached. Attached. Righteousness, which God always was, has now met with peace. You know, when people like send out birth announcements and they tell everybody, hey, we had a baby and this is the baby's name and this is how much my baby weighs. Like everybody need to know how much your baby weighs, but we send out the announcements, right? We tell everybody. You know, Jesus had a birth announcement, except you know, God, he kind of has to do it big. His wasn't a little card. It was a sky full of angels. And you know what they said? Peace. Peace is born tonight. Here was God the righteous separated from his man, but the one that would attach him was born. Jesus is your peace. He's your peace with God. He is your quiet life. He is our stillness. Thank you, Jesus. And righteousness and peace with God have kissed. They've met together. And now because we have peace with God, Jesus is just as attached to us as he is to God and to God as he is to us. Jesus is, for all men, for all time, God's representation to man and man's representation to God. And knowing that just makes you want to come boldly. It just makes you want to come boldly. And when you come into the presence of God boldly, you recognize and realize, I've been seated with Him in heavenly places. He pulled up a chair and told me to sit down. Every single one of you in here tonight, I'm looking at you demonstrating great faith. What do I mean? None of you came in here and before you sat on that chair, None of you asked to see uh, a diagnostic study of that chair to find out what it would hold, to find out its age and durability and strength. None of you looked it over really good. None of you ran tests at a lab to find out would this thing, uh, would would this structure, am I okay to sit here? Uh, Nobody stood there and prayed in tongues over your chair. What'd you do? You just sat down. Think about the act of faith that that is. You were holding you up, and now you're not. That's what it is to be seated. You're not the one holding you up anymore. You've been seated. Now remain there. Stay there. The fight of faith is so often just the fight to remain at rest. As things come your way, it's flying at you and trouble and pressure and war and raging. The temptation is to try to get up and go fix it. No, you stay seated. And you say, none of these things move me from my place of rest. Be still, hold your peace remain at rest. Some of you are getting it right now. I can see it in your eyes. Be still. Hold your peace. Remain at rest. Can you sense the pressure coming off of you right now? Be still. Hold your peace and remain at rest. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'll tell you what to do. Be still. Hold your peace. Don't just say anything. Wait and think and remain at rest. Be still. Hold your peace. Remain at rest. Jesus, such a beautiful example of this. They come to him. Lazarus, the one you love is sick. What's he do? Stays where he was for two days. Jesus, the one you love is sick. What's he do? He got still. Didn't say anything. And just remained at rest. And two days later says, okay, we can go now people will look at you like you are out of your mind. Are you crazy? Your flesh is crying out, do something. Anybody's flesh ever cried that out? Flesh is crying out, say something. Be still. Hold your peace. Remain at rest.